report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we are, of course, here to talk about The Mandalorian Chapter 12, titled The Siege. But first, uh, William, I know there's a couple of announcements, and these are things that I feel like you've been begging for for a very long time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, Today, uh, or this week, we got the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, which is really great. Stay tuned for our review of that uh, next week, I think. Um, but in other, uh, even some ways bigger news, uh, and I, I forget, at least me personally, we got the f- soundtrack for the first half of The Mandalorian Season 2. This covers chapters 9 through um, 12. So I'll wait through the most recent episode, which is so awesome to see. It is, uh, you know, it's a bit shorter than some of the other soundtracks where they did episode by episode, but I'm guessing that's because there was a lot of, you know, musical cues that they brought back from season one, and so they wanted just to release the original uh, musical cues. Um, but still, like that's that's really awesome to see. I'm very excited. Ludwig Göransson is just a talented, talented composer. Um, and not only did we get a soundtrack for The Mandalorian, oh, and I almost forgot the um, part two will be out on December 18th. So when the last episode drops, we'll also get the the uh, the, the soundtrack for the second half of the season. Um, but uh, uh, we also got a, a the release of the deluxe edition soundtrack for Solo, A Star Wars Story. So if you love soundtracks, and again, you know, uh, I do, I, I love it. Uh, you can now listen to the full soundtrack by John Powell for Solo, A Star Wars Story with all sorts of additional cues uh, that were not heard in the original soundtrack release. So that is super, super cool to see. I'm excited. I love the Star Wars music. And uh, it's a great it's a great week for fans of Star Wars, uh, Star Wars music. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to jump in here really quick because William just reminded me how you're talking about the soundtracks are available. If anybody has and you guys are hearing this for the first, first time because I just remember this. If anybody has the app for Dash Radio, it's just called Dash Radio, where you can get internet radio stations. They happen to have a channel that is called Star Wars Radio featuring music from The Mandalorian. So you can stream music from The Mandalorian on this app. Oh, yeah. It, interesting. It, I, I, rem- I was listening to it yesterday and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute. It just remembered that they have this thing called featuring music from Mandalorian. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. that's awesome. I, I just I love listening to the Mandalor- Mandalorian soundtrack. It's it's so good. It really is. Yeah, it really, really is. Um, but uh, today we're actually going to be talking about the Mandalorian. Tom, what's the sure. uh, summary of this week's episode? This week's episode is chapter 12 titled The Siege. It was directed by Carl Weathers and written by John Favreau. And in this one, the Mandalorian rejoins old allies for a brand new mission. This was really, I love this episode because it had a really cool throwback feeling, which I have a feeling we'll talk about that later when we get to it. But we first have to get to how they get there and why the Mandalorian and the child end up running into their old allies again. Yeah, I mean, this happens 
pretty much exactly how I think we expected it to be when we reviewed the previous episode. Obviously, the Mandalorian is on his way to Ahsoka. But before we can get there, we're sidetracked yet again back to Navarro. Because as we saw, the uh, Razor Crest is not in the best shape. No. And I have to say, like, our, the theory about Boba Fett showing up in this episode is like a fake out while everyone's distracted with Ahsoka. I guess that didn't happen. Uh, uh, I forgot about that. I was wrong. It was You're a cool right, idea. Right. I, I like the idea. everyone that I was wrong. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, at least we, we like to call it, you know, when we're right or when we're wrong, we like to call it out. But, you know, I love the theory for what it's worth. I think, yeah, I think they should have... I think they should have uh, uh, taken your your advice, to be honest. But, yeah. Well, Dave Filoni, uh, John Favreau, you know where I am. Uh, uh, but, you know, this is still a... I love... I really liked this episode a lot. It, you know, it, it still had that kind of you know, mission of the week feel to it in mm-hmm. some ways, but it, it, it totally made sense in the context of the story. And I just loved getting reunited with Grief Karga and Cara Dune because mm-hmm. the, I, these characters are just so, so great. I love them in season one. I hope we get to see more of them in season two. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just awesome. I think Gina Carano and Carl Weathers just both do an amazing job. Who, by the way, was pulling double duty as both director and yeah. uh, uh, and Grief Karga in this episode. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. it was. I, so I have to ask, do you guys think we'll see Grief, uh, Grief Karga or Cara Dune in this season again? I think they I come would, back at the end of the season finale again. Yeah, I, I would hope. I, I would really hope. They're very strong characters. I'm, I I think I would be surprised if they show up again. Hmm. This episode really? to me very much felt like, hey, we need to include these characters from the previous season that people enjoyed. Uh, I'd say the episode went out of its way to spotlight them more than we've gotten out of any other character uh, in the series so far. Like other mm-hmm. than the Mandalorian and the child. Right. Uh, there's a good chunk of this episode where the Mandalorian is just not present. And uh, mm-hmm. to me, that was saying they know these characters are coming back. And so we've got one outing for them this season. Let's make that outing as big as possible. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Well, but also, but also when you get back to what grief cargo was saying, they cleaned up the town mm-hmm. that, you know, he's, he's protecting because now you've got, you know, grief cargo is the magistrate of Navarro. And then you've got Cara Dune as the marshal. So they've cleaned it up and he's trying to make it respectable because he, at a certain point mentioned that he'd like to make it to be, um, uh, point for trade along that route yeah yeah i i wish, I, I i really liked how they've they deepened their characters this mm-hmm. season and, and really tried to straighten up navarro and, and make it um more of an honest respectable town yeah. um yeah i i really like the character growth we see in these episodes and you know maybe to your point steven maybe it's because we won't see them later i still like to think there's going to be some big you know i don't know if it's like we speculated last week, like, oh, are they going to retake a Mandalore or something? I don't know if it's going to be something like that at the end where everyone kind of comes together and helps. But I, I do think you're probably right and we won't see them until maybe the last episode or two of the season. Mm-hmm. That's um, fair. If they're going to show up, that's definitely when it would happen. Yeah, yeah. but you know... Uh, l- but I, I actually want to expand a little bit on what you were talking about. I I loved what they're doing both with Grief, uh, Cardoon, and Navarro as a whole. Just mm-hmm. yeah. going the extra mile of how what happens to a planet after after what we saw in season one, they mm-hmm. kind of thrown off the empire. Um, the empire, I guess uh, they were kind of there. They're trying to make it more respectable. Um, and I really like, they took it the extra level of, it's not just like we're trying to clean up the town. It's 
here's our plan for where Navarro sits in the galactic neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, not that we need like, you know, going to, you know, like episode one levels of politics necessarily, but I like this idea of what does it look like as the galaxy is rebuilding? How do, how don't know. How does it change? It's, I right. think it's a really fascinating, uh, like a, avenue to take i guess yeah right. i think they want it to be i think they're saying like the, one of the major like trade hubs or sectors or whatever of in the mm-hmm. in, in the in, in that part of the galaxy and it it's really cool to see them go from like this they're very rough town with like you know mandalorians living underground and uh you know the streets are kind of dangerous and everyone's like you know stormtrooper heads on pikes right and then and also don't forget the bounty hunters were there too because it's right yeah a huge bounty hunter guild and now yeah. you come back and I don't know if Grief is still running the Bounty Hunter Guild or not. It's not really clear. He's he's the magistrate. Um, uh, but, you know, now it's like the town is like flourishing. People are happy. There's color everywhere. There's shops, you know, in the middle mm-hmm. of the street. Um, there's like a, a, a school where the, the public house used to be. That was the coolest part. Um, yeah, like it, it's totally growing. I, I think actually yeah. we should actually talk, take a moment to talk about the school real quick because that was... As you said, Tom, really, really cool to see. I, I liked yeah. seeing the school. Yeah, that, that was. Some... Go, ahead. Go I was, ahead. I thought it was very appropriate for these times seeing a bunch of Star Wars kids in a school. Uh, it was just, it was one of those weird, like, oh yeah, that is, that is what school is like for most people normally. Not right mm-hmm. now, but. <laughs> yeah, but but also you have to realize it's, it's a flourishing town, mm-hmm. and they're going to have kids, and it makes sense that look. You've got a droid up front teaching them basically about the Hosnian way. You've got them telling them about the galactic politics. They have to learn mm-hmm. because this is just making this little plant part of Navarro respectable. All right. And but this it'll is, make it on. able to grow going later. Tom, we need to we need to stop this discussion. We, okay, go ahead. We're going to forget about the rest of this episode. We now need to spend the next hour discussing the failings of the Navarro school system. Oh, Why? I don't understand. Like they appear to have a single classroom for students of all ages. Does baby Yoda really need to know about the intricacies of the Hosnian, uh, Hosnian way, like hyperspace way? Does baby Yoda can't No, baby Yoda needs to be learning basic math. (laughs) Baby Yoda needs to learn not to share effectively. Are you, are you talking basic math by way of the basic math of old or the new math of today? Okay. Not going that Uh, far. But are you also talking about? He needs he to learn needs how to, to share to... or or not steal the macarons. That's what I was yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah. space saying, macarons. There is a clear problem with the Navarro school system, and I'm onto them. <laughs> well, okay, you know, <laughs> okay, but... if we're talking about the lesson plan, though, like let, let's let's break this down for a minute, right? Go ahead. The protocol droids sitting there, and when they walk in, they're talking about the five major trade routes in the galaxy. Um, and if you turn on the subtitles, you can hear exactly what the protocol droid is talking about the entire time. Five major trade routes in the galaxy is the first topic. They're like, you know, mid-lesson. And then they go into the regions of the galaxy. Why not start with regions of the galaxy? Why are you talking about the trade routes first? Um, I don't feel like it would make sense for the students. And then then they start talking about the capital and how it used to be Coruscant, but is now Trandrillo, which is, you know, it's cool. But I feel like maybe that's like, you know, start with like the regions of the galaxy and the fact that it's the capital and then go into the trade routes. And then they jump straight into the Ecades Maelstrom and the Kessel system. And like, wow, I guess that's like really top of mind for these students. Like it needs to be one of the first things they learn. You learn about here's how the galaxy is is is, is, is structured. Well, here's how you get everywhere through the trade routes. And then here's how the galaxy is structured. And then, you know, the Kessel run, number one thing on the list to talk about in the lesson plan. It's just this 
His lesson plan is all over the place. It's not effective, even at what they're trying to, like, you take it on their own merits. It's just, this is, it's a real problem. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. I I so don't want to go to a different I, studio, but the way you guys are talking reminds me of the Animaniacs episode where you have Wacko doing the, um, the uh, states and the capitals, and then you've got Yakko doing the countries, to where you can imagine the droid up there sitting there, Doing, you know, based um Hosni Prime starts here to Coruscant. I mean, do you really want to see that at the front of your Look, Star I'm Wars? Just, Tom, all I'm saying is the Navarro school board will be getting a strongly worded letter from me. Okay, but why is it from you? Why shouldn't it be from uh, you know Din Jaren? Because oh no, I'm sorry, not Din Jaren. Why is it from the kid that ended up having his his cookies? <laughs> basically force pulled by the child over to, you know, his chair. I mean, sure. How can you deny that little ADB face when he's sitting there munching a cookie and kind of looks at, looks at the kid and goes, eh, and just keeps munching the cookies. Cause he still kept the cookies, but the parents would be a little bit upset. Right. Uh, let's be very quick. Those, those, say, were, those were space macaroons, right? Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, I just space about. macaroons, period. Yeah. <laughs> they must've been delicious. Cause the child they looked, honestly, they looked yeah. so good. Uh, I, I have to say, I love that scene. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I thought it was funny. Although, you know, later you see the child later in the episode, he's eating the same macarons. So, like, did the kid just let him have it? He just sat there and just, like, held, they're mine now. I just ate them okay. and the kid never okay. got them back? Or 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 did, like, the Mandalorian buy him another pack of space macarons? Like, no. I, uh, I'm pretty the sure that's reinforcing bad behavior. The kid never got it back because the child sat there and pulled the, you will give me those macarons. <laughs> and the kid went... I will give you those macaroons. You will give me the rest that are in your lunchbox. I will give you the rest that are in my lunchbox. That's how it happened. I think the most amazing thing, honestly, is how long that package lasted. Oh, right. I would have like, if those are like Thin Mints, they would have been gone in like two minutes, you know? He's a yeah. little kid. He's, <laughs> okay, sure. He can swallow a frog whole. He how many eggs did he eat whole. in the span of like 10 minutes? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us into a little more serious. This actually brings me into I think what is probably my biggest one of my biggest issues with this episode. Go ahead. The the sense of scale in time is so off for me. Hmm, uh, really? Because really, they land, this get like very high level. Land on the planet, drop the child off for class. He gets his macaroons. Right. Uh, let's put like somehow he doesn't eat all of them immediately, but sure. Next. Uh, they go off on their mission to the Imperial base. Oh, sorry. And the most important part, the ship is clearly broken. At the beginning of the episode, they, uh, grief asks one of the mechanics to fix, like to work on it. They start working on it. Right. The child goes to class. They go around the planet. It seems, which is a different question. Uh, go to the Imperial base. They're not there very long. They like work their way in, blow it up. And then within 10 minutes, you know, ish are gone. Come back. And within that time frame, the the Razor Crest has gone from bucket of bolts that is about to fall over to like pristine condition. <laughs> I just I don't buy it. Okay, okay. I mean it it's, is kind of strange it, that they can repair the Razor Crest faster than the child can eat a bag of of, of macarons. I'm um, telling you, it was a second bag. He convinced the kid <laughs> to give him the second bag. That or Mando bottom it, like reinforcing bad behavior. But he just wanted the kid to shut up and just like sit in the shit, sit in the ship, and we're gonna go rescue our friends. No. Okay. When uh, when you're when you're a parent and you have a child who's screaming and crying and moaning and I'm not gonna say a couple other words as a parent would say when they're just throwing a tam- tantrum. 
Sometimes you put your foot down and you say no, and you let him basically <laughs> tantrum it out. Sometimes, depending on the parent, you just hand them what they want to basically say, please be quiet, and the child goes about their happy way. So you could think that maybe, maybe that's what the he child did. had a little bit of one, one of those two com- combinations, and he bought him a set of cookies. Yeah. Maybe a full box. Maybe he found, you know, Space Girl Scouts and was able <laughs> to buy a full box of Thin Mints. I mean, macaroons, whatever they were. But you never know. I thought oh, it was fun. It. it was cute. Loved every minute of it. I did too. I, I, yeah. I, I loved the whole thing. Like this episode was just made for the gifts, right? It, it's like, the, it's oh, yeah. so adorable. The child like sitting, you know, in the, at the, at the seat and the, at the desk in, in the classroom, you know, him like burping up the macarons later. It's just hilarious. It is hilarious. Even and, like this. And Mando being a dad. Yeah. Even the sequence at the beginning, which was a, uh, a much longer sequence than I was expecting with him trying to like repair the um, oh. repair the ship and just like mixing up the wires and then shocking and, himself. Okay. Here's the other thing. It's great. Okay. Man, Mando, here is a 50 year old quote unquote baby that you've got inside. Sure. I understand it's a small <laughs> space. Okay. I, I get it. It's a small space, but he's a quote unquote baby. Do you seriously think he's going to understand a red wire and a blue wire? Cause you're no. the, eh? Yeah, he put up the right wire. No, don't put it there. No, don't, don't cry. Sure, he got a shocking experience out of the whole thing, but did that really help? No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. But it was it made for a funny sequence. That's for oh, sure. The whole the whole thing was great. And what what also kind of worked in this was when when they were done and it didn't work. The, them sitting there basically having lunch within the ship or their soup or their broth, whatever it is. But what did you guys think of the Mando? You, you see the child sitting there with the bowl of soup, sipping it, and he's kind of sitting there looking at the mando because from the top angle down, you're seeing the mando lift the helmet, not taking it off. Please, people understand it was not coming off, but but kind of like sipping this broth at that point. Do you think the child was actually trying to get a look at his face, or the child was just being a child and being curious, like, huh? Probably trying to get a look, I would assume. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting, and I don't really know if. This is because we just haven't really seen him eat semi by himself. Like the child's still there. Um, like when there's other people around, he usually says he'll he'll eat later. Um, right. But it it was fascinating to see him lift his helmet up and and try to have a little bit of it, like drink the soup. Right. Um, and I, I almost wonder is that something we just either have we haven't seen him do before, or is it something that he's now started to do? Kind of like uh, you know. Um, like, is he being a little more willing to, to like partially take off something? He's not taking off his helmet, but mm-hmm. I don't, is is what Bo-Katan said getting to him? I don't, I don't know. Well, but, but I I look at it this way. I look at it as there was not a human around. I think that that to me, when it comes to this whole quote unquote Mandalorian thing, when it comes to to you know the watch, mm-hmm. okay, that for them, I think if it's another human around or let's say another mandalorian or anything like that this was a child okay he had he let uh ig11 take the helmet off to save him because technically that wasn't a human i look at this the same way but technically the helmet did not come off and the guy's got to eat yeah. i mean yeah no it's it, it's it's interesting it's very interesting to see like is he starting to uh, loosen up a bit more not completely just I think a it's a little. I think it's a little too 
early for me to see him loosen up that bit. I mean, sure, he just met Bo-Katan in the last episode, and it seemed like from that point to this point, time didn't mm-hmm. pass really. There was a long passage of time. I don't think like an overnight thing would make him start rethinking it because he's been with the watch for so long. I don't think overnight he's going to start breaking down. It's going to take him a little bit longer and longer to, to actually get that far. I just think because it was the child next to him and basically I think the, the child can't speak. The child can can communicate with anybody other than just, you know, natural child gurgles and stuff. He's not going to out him saying, hey, he took his helmet off. Hey, I saw his face. That's and true. also, I would think because he is the child or he is a foundling of him, it's only the two of them. I would think it would be natural that because it's just the two of them, he could take his helmet off at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. Because like, you have to imagine... If you're a Mandalorian, even growing up, it's not like you wouldn't, I think, take it off in front of your your family or your other clan members. And if he's kind of his dad in some ways, then yeah, hmm. maybe it's maybe it's fine. He clearly didn't, though. He didn't want to take it off all nope. the way right now. But interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, yeah. But, you know, we, we were talking about Cara Dune earlier. I think it's worth circling back to, to her because she actually got a lot of character development in this episode. I really liked what they they did with her. You know, mm-hmm. her introduction uh, in this episode, you, you see some uh, a, a Qualish criminals in the armorer's old base, right? The old Mandalorian covert and where the armorer used to, to work. And she kind of walks in. We actually don't see her face at first. And she just kicks butt. Uh, we don't even know it's her. Uh, and she takes out the criminals. And uh, they end up. They refer to her as the marshal, which was, I was very surprised by I, and Yeah, I was, I appreciated that. It's not a callback, obviously, to the first episode, but it definitely, it feels a little bit that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I liked it. And and I, it, it took me a second when they said marshal. I thought it was going to be the marshal from we've seen before. Cobb but then Vanth. when, and this is one thing I love about, about um, Gina Carrar doing, doing Cara Dune. I love when she does her fight scenes every once in a while when she does something really cool, there's a smile on her face. I don't, she did it in the last episode or the first season where she was, um, in that fight scene with the guy that had the, the force beam between them. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, when she does like a takedown or just something, there's this little smile on her face. Like she enjoys the fight scenes or she just, that character enjoys doing what she's doing. Yeah. You can tell she enjoys her job. Yes. Yeah, and and she does a, an amazing job of it, you know. And we get to, we get to see not only does she enjoy the actress enjoy it, but Cara Dune herself is really enjoying cleaning up the town. You know, it, mm-hmm. when we see her in season one, she was this former you know rebel shock trooper who's on the run. We don't really know exactly why she's on the run. Um, just that, you know, uh, uh, there's like a lot of bounties on her head. So she's trying to lay low on Sorgan and it's not clear what what's going on and, and, and stuff. I was almost on, to be honest, under the impression that she was being uh, uh, pursued by both the empire and the, 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 the new Republic and, and maybe yeah. some, some, some other entities as well. Um, but clearly I think we learned that's, that's not the case here, but she's actually enjoying being a little more prominent and kind of being the, the local marshal clearing up the town, getting rid of the, 
the the criminals uh you know they they basically beg the mandalorian to dinjarin to, to help them take out the last imperial base so they can actually make the the place respectable and it, it's it's really cool to see you know and and even at the end um captain carson tiva comes back and you know the rebel pilot and they're they're she he's talking to to Cara Dune trying to recruit her back and while she doesn't want to join you know it's the worst line of the entire episode though what what was the worst line go ahead oh oh so you're you're from Alderaan did did you Uh, lose anyone like I get it it's possible remotely possible that someone from Alderaan who was alive at that time had their entire family and everyone they know not on Alderaan, but I'm going to guess they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that just, that's right. That's a little make, make better choices is my, <laughs> is my response to that question. Yeah. But it cracked me up so much when he said it, like in a, not in a good way, but like, that's just... right. But you could tell though, he was, he was trying to be, uh, uh, sympathetic and, and, um, and, and kind of even thanks her for her service in a way by giving her that that gold star. Um, True. Yeah. Was which was, Marshall, was that a Marshall star? Is that what he gave her? Or was that just I, a gold star it, for I, service? It seemed to just be like a rebel medal. Yeah. I almost took it like a purple heart type of thing, you know, okay. um, or or for, for her service and losing her whole uh, squad or. Yeah. I was I was kind of back and forth on what that kind of meant because I was looking at it when you. You, you saw the the alliance logo, and then underneath it, there was you know the couple bars down there. I'm like, okay, is that supposed to represent like maybe her past unit? Because you know clearly, what I don't know, um, or that could have been like a marshal's badge, or like you said, it could have been a medal. Um, why he would be carrying a medal like that around with him, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know I how I, why he had it. To be, to, yeah. be, to be sure but I, it was a nice moment nonetheless you know yes. and, and really kind of even with the cheesy line made her f- you got to learn you didn't learn that much revolutionary about her backstory but there wasn't really any revelations but it was just a nice a nice moment I, I think the bigger thing is it's very clearly starting to set up uh, what we know is going to be the future for the galaxy Mm-hmm. we'll talk about what the re- revelations in the base in a moment but mm-hmm. even here we get uh a mention of the resistance that there's stuff something happened out here and that there are yes. people who are getting ready to fight uh and i think it it sets up cara dune cara dune's journey as well she's gone from hiding from the fight to i'm gonna clean up to this town to is there a desire to you know clean up something a little broader mm-hmm. that would be interesting if they do pull her back in yeah and she resists at first like she doesn't yeah. want to join she doesn't want to join straight up and she even kind of um ignores him in some ways when he's like hey i need i need local help right i need local support to to, to do what we're doing um but i wouldn't be surprised if she changes her mind in the future yeah good point i i, I would not um right yeah but i so steven i, I want to get your thoughts though on on the 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 x-wing captain himself kind of the local space cop uh <laughs> which he had his notepad that was the funny it was thing. great he had that notepad like a captain i loved it i i was a little surprised it was the same x-wing pilot we'd seen yeah. previously i i guess i feel a little better about it because clearly the, the razor crest has been largely flying at uh 
uh, what do you call it? Like subspace speeds for right. the last little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is very interesting that like there's apparently like two X-Wings patrolling this region of space and they just happen to keep running across the Razor Crest. Yeah, and I almost wonder, like, are they just patrolling suspicious activity out there, or is he tracking the Razor Crest? I almost assume it's maybe yeah. the latter. I mean, he was asking around. He was asking about, about it, it so for sure. Yeah, possible. But, but now that's going to be a very interesting question because is the New Republic tracking the Mandalorian for if they are for quote unquote what reason? And then later we'll find out something else. So yeah, yeah going forward it's going to be interesting. I, I could almost well i'm not going to get there we're going to get there later but I, I i now have something that just came to my mind when it comes to this whole tracking thing but I we'll al- get to that at a certain point i also so, find it like he, he's clearly he's worried about something yes know? and, and in mean, the the thing he alludes to and i and i can definitely see is you he alludes to the, you know the core worlds don't know what's going on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I suspect what they're seeing is isolated incidents like the previous attack and kind of takeover on Navarro that we saw last season, things like that, mm-hmm. that the core worlds are dismissing largely as, well, it's just, you know, the like the Empire is up to something mm-hmm. like it's just the remnants. They're they're the last gasp of the remnants of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And he's one out here is thinking, you know what? I, I'm not convinced all these things are not connected. Mm-hmm. The Empire, like these different parts of the Empire that are grabbing pieces of land. There's probably children going missing. Uh, resources perhaps are going missing or being hijacked. Things that from afar could very easily look like, you know, random, not important things. But we know, and uh, I'm blank. What's the name of the pilot as well? Uh, Carson Tiva. Uh, Captain Carson. Yeah, Carson. Carson. Uh, thank you. Like, and Carson is clearly suspicious that no, there's there is more going on here than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. Things right. are connected in a way that's not obvious. And he's one and of the few that obviously thinks that. Sorry, go ahead, He's one of the few right. that thinks that. Yeah, and and I think that's you know he's asking about the Razor Crest maybe he's got the little hint about, let's say he knows about Bo-Katan Mandalorian kind of quote unquote pirate thing that's happening out there. That was alluded to by the empire in the past episode. Um, he could possibly be attacking the razor crest to see if maybe that's going to lead him somewhere, which again, I have a feeling because it's something that's set up later that could possibly play into it as well. Um, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's part of the master plan, I think, to start bringing this bit by bit closer to episode seven. Really I, starting to fill in a lot of that backstory on how did the galaxy get to where it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of the plan when it came to the Mandalorian, that they were going to start dropping yeah. hints about the creation of the First Order. And if this is this is kind of the start of it in second season, because first season was basically setting up the main character that you wanted, the Mandalorian. Now you're getting into the second season to where, okay, now we can literally start dropping. Well, with, with um, Moff Gideon in the last season kind of set up like the first drop of something going on, but now you're starting to see the pieces put together. And with, you know, Captain Carson out there with his little notepad, trying to put the pieces together. Now we're going to start seeing the formation of the first order. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that I found super interesting because this wasn't the only moment, right? The, there was also a 
kind of a, a, a very surprising uh, uh, scene at the end with Moff Gideon where, yep. you know, we find out that the, the, the Mimbanese mechanic, and, and by the way, the, I thought it was really cool that one of the mechanics was Mimbanese. Like they're from Solo, a Star Wars story, but you don't really see them in, in Solo. It's really hard to tell what they look like. And so the one I remember the most obviously is, is the Gunny in Star Wars Squadrons. So it's really cool to see mm-hmm. a Mimbanese yep. like him, uh, like him there. And, you know, he, he, he one of these these Mimbanese, uh, he repairs the the Razor Crest, but he's actually working for the Empire, and the the um, the the comms officer who's who's talking with him, and he put a tracker on on uh, uh, on the Razor Crest. The comms officer even says, literally says to him, you know, you will be well rewarded in the New Order. Yep. Uh, or sorry, the new era, not the new order, the new era. Super interesting. Like, yeah, that seems to be setting up what happens next. And then like the big reveal of this, this base is not a, it's not a normal forward operating base, right? It's a, it's a research facility of some kind. And there's some, there's some crazy stuff going on there. Like, really crazy i love that we finally get some answers to the questions we had from season one mm-hmm. and i i don't remember the scientist's name uh dr pershing i, I yes that doctor <laughs> <laughs> him of course uh but yeah i just i obviously we've been wondering from season one why is the empire interested in the child the remnants of the empire i should say and we f- we get an answer, and a I oh, I don't I was gonna say the word love I don't know if that's the right word. Um, it cracks me up in a in a weird way that the M word gets literally called the M word. His <laughs> M count is oh, really high, yeah. and it's just it's it's just towing that line of like you know what we're talking about. Yeah, we are. We're going there. We're not really gonna go there, but we're thinking about going there. <laughs> Like I get it for some reason, some people just have a, and I, I don't under, I honestly don't understand it. A, a, a knee jerk reaction to the word midichlorians. Like I just mm-hmm. don't mind the concept. Like it's, it's fine, right? Everyone has midichlorians. Some people are have more, some people have less just because you have a low count. Doesn't mean you aren't force sensitive. It just means you're less strong in the force. I, I don't think right. it's a problem. It, I Personally. think it more goes back. Uh, this is a big debate. <laughs> I will I will very briefly say, for the sake of people who are yelling at their podcasting device <laughs> right now, uh, it is I it's explaining something that didn't need to be explained. That's that's but, fair. Yeah, that's well, leaving fair. that aside, yes. I, it cracks me up that yeah. they they sneak it in there. You know, it's funny because when uh-huh. I first heard it, I thought he said midichlorian, and when I went back, I was like, oh no, he actually said mcat. He totally avoided the word, but <laughs> we all know what he means. <laughs> everybody knows what he yeah. exactly what he means and it's but it's interesting like we now know that the imperial remnant whatever i guess i guess we know it's the first order or will become the first order actually i don't know because is palpatine part of the first order he was clearly separate from the he was first part order. of the, the 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 new this, order or yeah, the, the, the final the, order the final order i don't know anyway it's not clear yeah it's like, so confusing but we're gonna get or we're gonna get some answers to the creation of the first order just leave it at that yeah yeah but yeah. we we now know this faction of the Imperial Remnant is, I mean, very clearly working on the Snoke clone. 
um, trying again, feeding in some backstory to who is Snoke. Episode nine has like the cutaway shot of what appears to be another clone, uh, Snoke clone in like a mm-hmm. tank. But we never really get an answer on what it is, what it's doing, mm-hmm. any of those types of things. Yes. And so it's really cool to see that that is what this is all like. That is the overarching plot here is Palpatine is trying to recreate a, clo- a clone body that is strong in the force. Mm-hmm. Or at least we, uh, he's trying to create it for one reason or another, either because he's looking for a successor or perhaps he is trying to inhabit the clone body. I'll leave that as an exercise for something we'll figure out later, I'm sure. But that's where the child fits in. Mm-hmm. They've exhausted the blood samples from him to allow them to keep practicing and working through this clone. And they need more. To which actually makes sense, which actually makes sense in the first season when Dr. Pershing sat there and said he was trying to, I wouldn't say save the child. They weren't going to kill the child. They still need the child in some kind of functioning um, form. So the child was going to be re- be alive regardless. I think if he was going to be taken by the empire, mm-hmm. Because they need that blood. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as you saw with this, they had, you know, different malfunctions and they didn't have enough. So they would probably keep needing more and more blood from the child Mm -hmm. to keep trying to see how much would actually get through and make an actual clone that could live instead of just be blobs inside of one big thing of whatever it was tank. Yeah. And and it'll go ahead. William. I was going to say, and this is where it gets like super interesting because they talk about so. Dr. Pershing in that in the hologram, the holographic recording talks about how um, the the procedure didn't take right. They they took the blood from the child, they infused it into the test subject. He also says there was a a, a, a volunteer. That's what I was going to say. There was a volunteer, right? And so are like so we clearly see some sort of disfigured body in the tanks. I'm assuming there's the early Snokes, but maybe they're Maybe they're actually Palpatine's clones. Like, it's not really clear mm-hmm. what they are. But is there also a volunteer? Like, how does a volunteer play into this? I'm very... And it's, I'm and very right. Maybe it's not clones. Maybe it's injecting the blood and performing other that could be. crazy experiments. Yeah. But either way, well, like, while it started to work for a little bit, like, their bodies, the body rejected the blood, and there was a a, a catastrophic failure in Dr. Pershing's words. Uh, and the, the test subjects did not survive. Um, mm. Super now, interesting. Very interesting, but I I, I want to get to the point that I really loved, I, we're, we're talking about this, but I think the one thing I really loved about this was the infiltration of the base, because did this infiltration of the base kind of give this feeling to you of you're playing the Dark Forces game? <laughs> it did have a little bit of that feel to it, for sure. I I loved that whole thing especially when they were on the flight deck in the back mm-hmm. and 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 that door opened off to the left and you see the stormtroopers coming out of it that so felt like dark forces there was a lot more from well, dark forces than more. just than just this but i totally agree like uh it felt like you it felt like they and that's here here's something that i really appreciated about this episode you know there's a certain point in which th- it was said that there was nothing to pull from from the the old universe or whatever and what i'm really enjoying about this season is all the stuff that's being pulled in from across the star wars medium yeah everything is being pulled in video games novels you name it favreau and filoni have done their research and whatever they're doing 
they're pulling it in and making it work. And that's what I appreciate as a Star Wars fan, because it's a guy like me who's enjoying the stories that's seeing all the stuff pulled in. But it's not to a point to where somebody who's coming in as a casual fan can't enjoy as well. They're not going to see it. They're just going to enjoy a good story with good visuals and great characters. And watching this infiltration was so fun because it literally reminded me of playing a video game. Yeah. Yeah. I I will say, I think the thing I, I mentioned there were a couple of things that bothered me about this episode. The first was how fast the Razor Crest is prepared. The second was I really didn't appreciate the Mithral's relationship with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, yeah. And particularly okay. like there's this kind of running joke of the Mithral's paying off his sentence. Um, and every single, like, it's a, what do you say? Like there's a, they, when they first meet in the town, it's a, it's a 300 year sentence. Yeah. He's serving it off one day at a time kind of thing. And then multiple times through the episode, we get the joke of, oh, well, I'll reduce it by 30 years. Oh, do this. I'll reduce it by 50 years. Right. And they keep playing it for laughs each time. And it, I just, I struggled with a little bit because it, it was the same joke told like five times. I get it. He's, he's in debt and is it going to be able to pay it off i i get it but like stop it's not funny the third fourth fifth time yeah he you, in general the mithril is not my favorite like he's not my favorite one of my favorite guest stars on the mm-hmm. on the on the show um i feel like there's different we've talked about this many times i feel like there's different tiers of secondary characters in the mandalorian some are are amazing uh grief karga he's technically more of a a, a main character i would say but even like you know, Quill, IG-11, who, by the way, I love the fact that they had a statue of IG-11 in the middle of the town square. So cool. Yeah, great callback. I love it. Because, uh, you know, he's he's an amazing character. Uh, even yep. Cobb Vanth, I loved, right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, there's there's so many, so many side characters. But the two, I guess the... Th- there are some that I'm less a fan of, and I feel like right now in season two, they've been weighed heavily on the lesser favorites. So yeah. Mithril, I mean, it's cool that we get to see what happens to him after the Mandalorian caught him and froze him in Carbonite in, in the season premiere, so the series premiere. Um, and I guess he still can't really see out of his left eye um, because of the, the carbon freezing. Um, you know, and, and we get to learn more about like why the Mandalorian went after him. I guess Grief Karga... Um, uh, he actually worked for Grief Cargo and was like cooking the books, and so and then tried to run away, and so it was actually Grief Cargo's own bounty that he sent uh, the Mandalorian after. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I, he's just an average character, and the same thing yeah. with Pelimoto. I think she's just okay. She's not my favorite. Um, yeah. And I'd even argue that the fish, uh, the f- frog, the frog couple, just kind of meh. You know, I, I I think for the frog couple, it was it was just something to get you, yeah, from point A to point B, and then when you got, but to I like him better B, than Pelly, and yes, and the Mithril, yeah, I mean that about the only the only thing about the Mithril that that kind of worked, I got a little tired of him him complaining about his suit that he was too hot, but the only thing for me that worked that was kind of funny was when he had the steam come out from under his neck because <laughs> yeah. something was said. Because he, you know? he saw the Mandalorian. He's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, he saw you. the Mandalorian. He was just like, uh, you know, it was like, it, it, you know, I, I thought I thought for me that worked. Um, other than that, he just seemed like a character was like, you know, to try and get the comedy when the scientist was, the dead body was uh, leaning over the, um, the, the, 
console. He sat there and did the thing of, oh, you know, excuse me, pardon me, as he like. Okay, I love that moment. That I love, love that, that moment. moment. Whoa, when, when he when he pushed the the uh, the scientist, the dead scientist, slumped over the control panel, like he pushes him off the thing and says, "Pardon me." I thought that was hilarious. I, that one I did like. I agree. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it, it is okay. It's, it's okay. But you know, yeah, he's I, just the not. Mandalorian one I thought was funnier. Yeah. 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 They've had other better guest stars. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see him come back and kind of what happens to him and, and fleshes out Grief Karga's character even more. I guess he's not completely good. He still has this this guy who's uh, indebted him for forever. But, you know, I feel like it's a, um, it was fine for one episode, yeah. I guess. I, I don't there, really there care was... if I never see him again, though. I, I, I will say one thing that he did say that I found was kind of funny was when it was the troop transport when he sat there and said, you know how much you could get one of these in good, con- how much you can get for one of these in good condition. That was almost like a guy running through a toy shop, seeing like a massive star Wars toy. That's in great condition that, you know, he could hawk for a boatload of money that I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, we, we should, Let's let's talk more about the infiltration itself, though. Right? You, you started to mention uh, uh, how they 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 enter the base and it it's filled with stormtroopers. It's not abandoned right. like they thought. Well, the the best way they entered the base was the Mandalorian was just like you know they're, they're trying to get into the elevator, but it was like you almost want to see the Mandalorian just go hold my beer when he jetted up to the platform, and then you just this out of nowhere you just hear. Ah! Bam, a stormtrooper hits, and then the <laughs> elevator opens up, they get inside, and they get inside the base. That was actually pretty funny. It's almost like you expected the Mandalorian at the top going, what took you so long? I loved it. Yeah. I did yeah, love really it. I liked how they played with the Mandalorian almost not being the main character for a lot of this. A lot of shots from Kara's and Grief's and the Mithril's perspective, kind of wondering yeah. where the Mandalorian is, and you get just a little bit more of the, oh, wow, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think in this episode... To me, it did focus more on Kara and um, um, Grief Karga mm-hmm. than the Mandalorian, because the, the Mandalorian basically was the one to get you there and basically get you to the next episode. This focused more on those two, mm-hmm. and, and I did love the action as they infiltrated the base. I thought the it was it was really well shot, really well done. I think if mm-hmm. I had a complaint, it's just a. I felt like there were too many screen wipes. You know, Star Wars typically uses them sparingly, but to great effect. I mean, there's a lot in Star Wars, but they're used like when they're transitioning between major, major uh, uh, plot threads. You know, from from one planet to another, or uh, a passing of time. And I felt like they did. They I I should have counted, but I felt like they had like a a a screen wipe or transition every you know, uh, uh, they, five, six seconds uh, at one point during the they infiltration. Did a, and they did a lot that I felt like were purely inside the base, mm, yeah. which is not how yeah. they're traditionally used. Right, they are. They're, they're inside to inside. transition between locales almost. Yeah, and I felt like they were all spaced apart like every cut or every like two cuts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, felt very, it was un-Star Wars-y, I guess, but like that's the only complaint I had and I thought... I thought Carl Weathers just did a phenomenal job on this episode, uh, aside from the the editing choice there. I really appreciated when they get to the reactor. Yeah. A, once again, in true Imperial fashion, uh, we've got a reactor that is built precariously over a massive cliff (laughs) for 
for no clear reason. Uh, Just gets you with the lava at the bottom, right? Yeah. And with lava at the bottom. And then the additional line, uh, like, the the walkway is way narrower than it could be. Like, you could build it larger. Then yeah. it wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> and then follow, like, followed up, of course, by the line from the Mithral of, like, why, does, why couldn't they put a railing on this thing? Yeah. And just, the Empire doesn't care. That is the answer. Doesn't Empire's care. Cheap. These are pre, like, How much does a railing like, cost, though? Come on. It's not even, I don't even think it's a cost thing. No, it's, it's about gonna, Tom's, Tom. I, is, yeah. I wish, oh, I wish they would explain it this way because I think it would help a little bit and make it a little more nuanced in world or in universe versus kind of a joke from the outside. Uh, but I very much read it as the Empire just like mass produces everything. Mm. That re- same reactor goes over lava that goes on, you know, the first story that goes on solid ground and they don't really care that it's different in one mm. place versus another. It's yeah. not really relevant for what they're trying to do. No. I do have a question. I do have a real quick question. When we played the void, did that actually have a railing on it or did it not? Remember we were in a very hot room. There actually was a railing on that one, but I think that's because they don't want people trying to jump off and they're constrained by oh. VR. And there well, are I, some I, examples of the empire using I was, railings. I was trying to make a joke on that one. But, uh, how come, how come the void would sit there and spend the money to put yeah. a railing inside a game yet the empire can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, you're right. It looks straight out of like a New Hope. It's really cool to see them like yeah. basically reusing the parts and and everything. It's uh, I I yeah. will say the other thing I was a little disappointed on related to the reactor is they they set it to overload, and there's a shot later on where you see stormtroopers running back to the reactor, and I was so sure for a moment that they were gonna be like, oh, they just turned off the cooling. Boop. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> Um, and again, it uh, probably explained as, well, sure, you have, like, kind of reactivated the cooling, but it's too late. The meltdown has begun or whatever. Um, but it was funny watching the Stormtroopers, like, head back to it, trying to figure that out. I have to say, um, the, um, the, I, I did find, did you guys catch this? There's one brief scene where you actually see a, a a crew member in a t-shirt and jeans if you look really closely in the in the left I've, the left I've corner seen, i've seen the pictures uh, i did not see it because then again when i watched the episode yeah i was on an ipad at 120 in the morning yeah. i mean i i, mi- I missed it. it the first time i watched it but i started seeing them online it was i thought it was pretty pretty funny uh yeah as you're in this um yeah, in the middle, they're they're going through the imperial base, and this is this guy in t shirt and jeans. I love someone made a you know every week they put out like a character poster with the new character. I love that someone made a character poster with like the t shirt and jeans guy. It's great. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> I've got to find that. That's pretty funny. Oh, it's so funny. It is. It is. Uh, it is great. It is great. Um. But yeah, no, I I really did enjoy overall the 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 sequence. Um, but I think I liked even more the escape. You know, even though the time does, doesn't make a whole lot of sense, as you said, Stephen. Like, you know, the Mandalorian is is he's worried about the child's safety because they realize they they still want the child. The 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 recording from Doctor Pershing is not from like a couple weeks ago. It's or months ago. It's from like six days ago. And so like, oh shoot, they're still after the child. And so he jetpacks off. I guess he's jetpacking halfway around the world, but yeah, which you know, it's, it makes me wonder if Navarro is either very small or maybe his jetpack carries a lot more fuel and than we thought a lot faster than we originally thought. Probably a lot more fuel or solar powered. 
Uh, <laughs> solar powered yeah. jetpack. <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, but you know, like, yeah, like so that timing doesn't make any a whole lot of sense. Um, but the the entire escape sequence where they steal that Trexler Marauder troop transport and then like jump off the side of the uh, all right, uh, hang on, I got, I have more issues. Oh, okay, really? okay. I thought that was cool. It, so first, oh, oh man, all right, I'm just okay, gonna run through on, all my on, issues with, with the troop trawler at once. Hey, <laughs> why is so? I find it weird that the trawler doesn't have some limited form of like hover capacity. Um, it just feels like it should to begin with. Like we know it can float off the ground. It seems like it should be able to take off to some limited degree. Uh-huh. But if it doesn't, as we see in the episode, why is it on a landing pad where it, there's literally nowhere for it to go? There is an elevator, <laughs> a door to the inside of the building, and a landing pad with a transport that apparently can't lift off from that landing pad. Okay, hang okay. on for one That's... second. Remember when she tried to pull away, yeah. Kara tried to go forward. Into the base through a door. She was going to go into the base, but that's clearly not at what it's. Well, maybe there's a big like a big elevator out there. Probably big enough for it to go through. But if there was a big elevator, why would they not take that down, William? Or too many stormtroopers? But But I'm not done. Hang on, I'm not done. (laughs) Okay. Number two is. I'm going to argue one more thing about the base, but go ahead. (laughs) Issue number two is this is very clearly like a heavy duty vehicle. We see it ram through rocks. We see it crash into speeders. It it it's like a tank, right? Yeah. So you know what really makes your tank better? Open windows. Yeah, okay. That apparently I, okay, can't be shot. Okay, I got that one. I totally understand that one. But I'm going to go back to the thing about the base. When that thing, if you look at it, she was trying to go through, yes, she was going to be driving through the base, which would have been a lot of fun to watch her just crashing the whole thing through it. But realize it was built on the side of a cliff, okay? So I understand it being on a landing pad, and it can't fly up there or hover capability. But maybe because the, the the hallways are wide enough, they were able to drive it on there. And she was basically trying to take it off because the other side of the base was flat land, and that's where she was going to go. But she had no choice, and she had to go the other direction. Totally get the thing about her driving off the edge of the cliff, which she had a big smile on her face when she did it. But also oh, there's cool a comment. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I was a and little you know, like, oh boy, here they go when they jumped okay. off. <laughs> okay, but realize it also had a comic thing about it because it destroyed the Mithril's speeder. Okay. Poor guy. So that was, yeah, poor guy. I mean, the guy throughout the whole episode was really there just to be, let's say, beaten down. Because really, what worked in his favor the whole time other than Grief Cargo? Thank you. So the one more thing, into the side, take out his speeder. But, Steven, I totally get the whole thing. You've got this really cool transport that could bring Boku of money on the black market, but no windows. No, it just, like, and there's so there are a couple, there's a scene where she, uh, Carl literally drives it through a rock, which explodes. And I'm just yep. thinking, like, I think, I think they all just died in, like, shrapnel from the rock exploding. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that would kill you, but I mean, I guess not, because Star Wars physics. But just, I'm just saying, put, Windows, transparent steel, that's what it exists for to solve problems like this. Oh boy, oh boy. I you're not wrong, Steven, but I I, I thought I, I really enjoyed the chase overall. I, I thought it had a really great sense of uh speed and weight and tension mm-hmm. throughout the scene. And it, it was shot so well. Like ILM did an incredible job. Yeah. Um like the the end like just the visuals of like all the speeder bikes like jumping off the cliff in pursuit, and then of course you know oh. crashing into each other and like boom exploding, like it's it's just 
so so well done even despite some of the uh uh the questionable uh, uh, aspects that you brought up. I don't know what you want me to say, William. I can only give it a 2 out of 10 for those issues. <laughs> okay, if you want to get a higher score, they've got to nail it. The details. Okay. But but you can, you can also get another detail about this. Because when the TIE fighters come in, Stephen, don't you agree that if they're sitting there flying through a, can, a canyon and you've got grave cargo basically shooting the side of the canyon, don't you think some of those rocks would have had a little bit more effect on each TIE fighter? Because they were oh, in just, the canyon. I took it as grief just can't shoot. No, I, like, I, get I, it. I almost found it comical. Like, I, Grief must have been a stormtrooper before he came to Navarro because, like, <laughs> his A, like, the what? TIE fighters are literally boxed in. Yes. Uh, boxed. And I, there's, but, well, you, you mentioned, like, squadrons earlier. There's a part of me which it, like, plays video games where, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you wanted to shoot something down? Well, just hold the trigger button down and you'll hit it eventually. You know, right. So it's funny. Watching his, like, boom, one hit. Wait five seconds. Okay, let's try it. Up. Nope. Went the other way. Okay. Okay. But wait, 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 wait. Oh, uh, he did. He did get his one chance with his one shot on the one hit, and you gotta feel sorry for that biker scout. Man. Oh yeah. When oh. he had when he had that thermal detonator in his hands and grief carga spin the spun, spun it around. One thing: did he really have to wait for the gun to to target him <laughs> directly? Okay, because there was that little bit of a okay, dude, shoot. Okay, just. Don't wait for the targeting to sit there and say, you've got a lock. He's right in front of you. You're going to have a lock regardless. Uh, and that was a great, that was a great moment. I love it when he blasts the guy on the top of the ship, but I, I, I want to touch on. So what Steven said real quick, because okay. I actually had the opposite thought. So, you know, we both been playing star Wars squadrons and I'm, I w- I'm not the best flight sim uh, 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 guy. And, you know, I, I almost, a lot of times when I when I'm in the X wing or the Tie Fighter, I just hold down the trigger, and then like my I hopefully will stop before my weapon overloads, and then I have to like let it recharge and and stuff. And it was kind of funny as I was watching the episode, and the Ties were like going, you know, do do do. They're like kind of waiting, and then like they were they were really spacing out their shots. And uh, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe I should be more like a real Thai pilot and like take my time between shots instead of just like holding the trigger down the whole time and hoping it <laughs> spraying and praying. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I I guess I we'll we'll see if that that helps my my game at all in squadrons. But mm. and I guess I took the opposite lesson from you, Stephen. <laughs> well, one thing you have to say when it comes to that whole chase thing and everything, when the Razor Crest comes and saves the day. I mean, that that was very cool to see a whole flight sequence between the Razor Crest and these ties. But didn't you guys really thought it was cute to see the child enjoying himself as the Razor Crest was spinning with his arms in the air like he was on a roller coaster ride? It was funny. I absolutely loved that entire sequence. Like the 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 person, the I don't know, I was going to say the child in me, but that's child is different connotations when we're talking about the show. The baby Yoda in you. No, stop. <laughs> Sorry, child. Like, this is the the part of me that loves ship battles and things like that. Just so th- this entire sequence just felt r- so well done. Mm-hmm. Yep. The ILM brought it and it was fantastic. Love the spot where the Razor Crest goes straight up and then you could just tell, oh, yeah. like, cut the engines, came down again and just laid in on it. Just loved every minute of it. They they really brought their A game on the flight sequences. Oh, I, I loved it, and yeah, you know, as you said, like then the the child like puts his hands up and goes, "Woo, it's great!" Yeah, it's, that was it's so fun. So 
It's so amazing. Every, everything about that scene was just incredible. Um, and, you know, you, you get the child, like, burping up at the end. It was just, it was funny. Yeah. It was it was, it was shot visually, uh, you know, so well. Uh, some some nice humorous moments. I just, I really like the entire escape sequence. Honestly, I, I really did. It's great. It was a great, a great moment. Um, yeah. Wow. And they, and you know, they they survive, and the Razor Crest flies off to Corvus to meet Ahsoka. Uh, so I think next week, Friday, Ahsoka, Thanksgiving, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, but but you still have to get to that one last thing. When we finally see the full room of dark troopers. Okay. Oh. That, oh, if we get that, dark that, troopers, I'm going to be so excited. I mean, and that. That's what I get to about how I really love how in this season they're pulling from all media to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and they are dark troopers for sure. Uh, that's what the, that's exactly what the audio descriptions calls them in, in the episode. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time we've ever seen dark troopers outside of like the games, like dark forces where they're introduced or like, you know, battlefront or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. Like yeah. there were a DT series droid that were inspired by the dark trooper design, but was not actually dark troopers. Um, well, do we know for sure that these are dark troopers? Yes. The, the, the audio description actually calls them dark troopers in the episode. Ooh. I am looking forward to this. Yeah. But and this is the I, first I, time we've ever, ever seen them to be honest like i do get like sometimes i get dark troopers and death troopers slightly confused in terms of the name but they are different and this is the first time we've ever seen them outside of the games yeah so cool it's what dave filoni i I, john favreau obviously as well at this point but i I put a lot of credit still for dave they they found the right uh formula i think for where to draw from legends and other media to bring it back into the new canon. Mm-hmm. Yep. This fits in really well. It feels natural. It brings in a much loved part of kind of classic Star Wars lore. And I think it's, I look forward to seeing them deployed because it's going to be a big hit. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've seen some speculation that, that the child's being used to create the dark troops. I don't think so. I, I do think it's, no. I 100% think it's, it's Snoke or Palpatine. Yeah. It's like the, it's, it, it's, Creating Snoke leading to Palpatine yeah. is, is really that, the, the end goal, I think. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. But I love that they're bringing in Dark Troopers as well. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, and I, I'm very, very eager to see what what Moff Gideon's plan is. What is his plan? Like He's now tracking the Mandalorian and the child, but he's not going after him just yet. And that's, and that's what I want to touch on, because... That, that's where I kind of alluded to earlier in, in the show where you even have the 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 uh, alliance trying to they're, they're kind of like tracking the Mandalorian as well. So do you get this feeling that because it's alluded to that things on the outer rim are the are the way it is and they're piecing things together when it comes to the alliance and it's been hinted that there's people ready to fight that. Now you've got the Alliance trying to track the Mandalorian and you've got, you know, the Empire trying to track the Mandalorian that at some point they're actually going to. The, the Alliance is 
finally going to see something's going on because they're both tracking the same quarry. But it's almost like, let's say the Alliance is kind of using him as bait kind of travel to see what the Empire is up to. Interesting. So you think you think the, the New Republic is using the Mandalorian think, as like bait I to think draw out the... I think they're kind of... I think they're kind of not so much as the bait, or it's kind of following them like a lead. Following him because I, th- there has to be some kind of connection that that the the New Republic sees there's something going on. Okay, they know there's pirate stuff going on. They're following the Mandalorians. I think at some point it's all going to clash to where you're going to have the New Republic meet up with the Mandalorians because of the Mandalorian, but. He's like somehow he. Everybody knows they're they're going all going after the child. I don't think the New Republic knows about the child at all, in that respect. Mm. They just know something's going on, and the Mandalorian's the key to what's going on. That they're going to find their answer by following him. Interesting. Yeah. In and naturally, the Empire is following the Mandalorian because they want the child. Yeah. I yeah. I guess we'll see. I I, I did really like how. Um, grief carter refused to actually give up any any details about about them and and he actually makes a very fascinating comment that i think i, I want to touch on before we close out and that's he talks about how this isn't coruscant you know and how yep. the tech isn't good but i was under the impression like coruscant i'm trying to remember when did when did the new republic take back coruscant i don't i don't feel like it was it was a while after um after the uh after the battle right. of endor and I, I, I and we don't we know it's not the the capital of the of the galaxy anymore. So right. I'm very curious. Like, why? I, apparently, Coruscant is still being held up as the, uh, uh, you know, a technological marvel and kind of the standard in many ways, even though it, it's it was you know under uh, imperial occupation for quite some time. Mm. Yeah, I don't remember if, where. <sighs> Maybe in one of the Chuck Wendig novels, but I I don't remember where we see the the recapturing of Coruscant. I don't. If Not I in the remember, new canon, at least if I remember my Chuck Wendig novels correctly, I think the only thing that was touched on, um, Palpatine's major domo is still in charge of the planet. The 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 guy, the spiky guy. Sorry, I forgot his name. Um, he's still in charge of the planet, and I think at that point it was still under imperial control or he's still a holdout or whatever but i don't remember in boy i'm surprised i'm remembering this i don't believe chuck windig's novel there was ever an actual assault on coruscant i think it was still in the hands of the the second in command under palpatine hmm. i'm uh, not gonna go back and check more that. interesting questions for them to answer i think in the future yeah but I, I like but, how they're laying the groundwork in this point going forward for like the the possible formation of the first order here. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Should we swap over to reviews? Definitely. Let's do it. Well, Tom, since you're deaf, you're so sure we should swap over. You want to go first? Yep, I'm giving it a nine. I I love this episode. It it's. I know we sit here and talk about there's the quote unquote episodes that kind of like get you from point A to point B. This one, this one was, this one was a little bit different than the point A to point B because it definitely had more of the overall story behind it instead of just like, Oh, I'm going to get this couple here together so they can do this and this, or I got to get this person from here to here 
And then there's a thin line that's running through the whole thing. This basically, I think, moved the story forward in a great way. And it was just fun. I mean, like I said, that whole infiltration of, you know, the the Imperial base literally reminded me of Dark Forces. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun to watch that. I love the action sequences with the speeder bike. Um, I had no problem with, let's say, the episode starting very quietly the way it did. But it was very interesting and it worked to move the story forward. So I am giving it a nine. And what I'm going to do is I am taking my nine Womp Brats and I'm going to let them basically bring a new one into their clan. That little lava meerkat that we saw at the beginning almost be eaten by the um, the, the the bad guys that Cara Dune basically took down. Well, they're going to take this guy under their wing and they're going to be nice to him because he really had nowhere else to go. So they basically are now. Yeah, I, I I felt so sorry for that little lava meerkat. I thought it was. I thought it was cool. I would love to see one of those for sale at Galaxy's Edge because I'd probably buy one and have it sit next to my Lothcat face plant. So, you know, I, I thought it was cool. But my nine Womp Rats, I, I definitely give this a nine. I thought it was a really good episode. William? Yeah, you know, I actually have to agree with you, Tom. I, I'm going to give this uh, a nine out of out of ten as well. I thought this was a fun episode. You know, it it, it brought us, reunited us with some some characters we, we, we love. Uh, we got some great moments with the child, some awesome action, and this really opens up a lot of interesting questions. We got some answers that we've been wondering about since season one around what is, what do they want with the child? What is Moff Gideon's ultimate plan? We don't really know, but there's something about the origins of the of the First Order, and you know, I honestly I'd forgotten that the show had promised to give us the origins of the First Order, and I just kind of was like, yeah, they're just you know. They're trying to find the the Jedi, and we're gonna get Ahsoka, and we've got this the child, and it's about a bounty hunter, and like all that cool stuff. Um, but I forgot they promised to give us origins of the of the First Order, and we're starting to see that now, and it's connecting into uh, the the rise of Skywalker into some really cool ways. And I'm very excited to see what they how they take this, and of course the inclusion of Dark Troopers. How can you not love the fact that Dark Troopers have been included? So. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this uh, nine Womp Rats out of ten, and uh, you know they actually um, one of the in one of the attempts they actually tried to infuse the Womp Rats with the child's blood, um, but uh, and that's those are the ones you see hanging you know, floating in the tanks. But um, you know it it it, uh, it it just made them giant in size and and even more rabid. So that that clearly the Empire is even more despicable than I thought. <laughs> Wow, William. Okay, Stephen, you're up. Um, so I think I'll I'm gonna go a little bit lower. I think I'm debating between like seven point five and eight. I think I'll land at eight. Um, overall, I definitely enjoyed the episode. There were a couple of things. Some of the the timing that we talked about felt a little bit off. Some old jokes didn't land. Um, and honestly, like I enjoy Cara Dune and Griefy's characters, but I prefer the Mandalorian as the the main character. So having an episode that was a little less focused on him and a little more focused on them just didn't tickle my fancy in the same way. Mm. Um, but I'm going to use my Womp Rats to adjust some of my feedback. Clearly, it doesn't make sense for like one or two mechanics to be able to fix the Razor Crest in the short amount of time we saw. But 
with eight expert Wombrak technicians, anything is possible. Interesting. Womp Rat Tech. You gotta... Well, they're, they're, they're great. I also just really enjoyed, by the way, ILM's like, animation with the damaged ship. And I'm very glad oh, yeah. that the ship is back oh, in yeah. pristine condition. Oh, so am I. Oh, that was painful. Yeah, with a tracking device. But it's back to normal. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, uh, you know... This next week, next weekend is uh, is Thanksgiving, uh, but we'll be here. We we'll got another episode because this week, if the rumors are true, uh, not even a rumor at this point. Like the last episode, literally, Bo-Katan said her name, Ahsoka Tano. The Mandalorian's going after Ahsoka. I have to imagine she's she's showing up in the next episode at this point. Like mm-hmm. Dave Filoni's directing. What can I say? Yep. He's directing her her introduction. I am so excited to see what happens with Ahsoka and to see Ahsoka in live action for the first time. So uh, it's gone from rumor to 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 fact. It's, it's time. It's time. Let's get ready I for would, Ahsoka. I, oh. Wouldn't it be funny if it's a head fake and she doesn't show up in this one? No, you know yeah. what, Tom? No, Ahsoka will be showing up one week, less than a week from today. And let's leave it at that. Okay, wait a minute. I I was thinking this today, and please, I have no basis for this thought at all, (laughs) okay? But I was thinking this today. Wouldn't it be a total head fake if Rosario Dawson ends up playing Sabine Wren and they do bring in uh, Ashley Eckstein to play Soka? Oh. Wouldn't that be a massive head fake? It would. I I wouldn't get your hopes up. I wouldn't either, but like... I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I love, I love Ahsoka. Absolutely. Um, and Ash Eckstein is a huge part of of the character. And I, I am uh, trying to reserve judge, withhold judgment until I see the episode. Part of me is skeptical. Like, ah, can you replace Ashley Eckstein? Uh, you know, even if you did replace her with a body, with someone else to to to, to embody the character. You have right. to have her be the voice, and yeah. it sounds like it sounds like she won't be, and it's Rosario Dawson, and so I'm sure Rosario Dawson is a fantastic actress, um, but I just hope she can live up to Ash no, Eckstein. I, I agree, but I'm I think the the biggest argument I can make, or not argument, the biggest hope is uh, Star Wars needs to be able to grow beyond. Yeah. Single, single, singer. Wow, I can't talk. Single actor or actress equals this person. Obi-Wan being, I think, the premier example of how amazing it can be when you have uh, Ewan McGregor and someone like Al Guinness playing the same character at different points. Right. I think that's just a necessary part of growing the universe because if you can't, you're just, you'll never be able to see your favorite characters again. Uh, okay, okay. No, that man. is a that fair point. Make fair point. Totally fair. Um, but... All that being said, I still really hope. I, I look, look. It's Dave Filoni. It's John Favreau. I have every, I have the utmost faith in them, and I I believe that they will be, uh, the the Ahsoka will be handled impeccably, and I'm oh. very excited to see how that, how that ends up playing out. And can you also imagine this is the other thing I was thinking today, and this has nothing to do with with who's playing the character, but can you imagine this? Ahsoka Tano going up against Moff Gideon 
dark saber against lightsaber oh gosh with or, Bo- bringing Bo- bringing or, in bo-katan too and boba fett like you get them all in one episode oh my gosh well or or you, you have part of it right with bo-katan to where they have to fight for the dark saber bo-katan's there and ahsoka throws a lightsaber to bo-katan and basically the two of them fighting the dark saber for the for the reclamation oh, of the dark, uh, don't reclaiming get my hopes up. Oh, sounds great. I mean, just mind blown. I think we better get out of here now. Oh yeah, I am. Yeah, I I can't wait. So w- stay tuned because we will be back very very soon, just a few days with our review of The Mandalorian Chapter Thirteen and the introduction. We can only assume of. No, 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 we don't know. We don't know. I don't want like to. Like I said, there. we can only assume, but it's Dave Filoni, so. We will see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't want to go that far. Thank you for but listening. Friday is going to be night, great. Everyone. <laughs> see <you> <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, IonCannonCast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at IonCannonCast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.